I don't know if uh, the same thing happens to you that uh, happens to me. From time to time, you'll hear a song, and it will take you back to a time when it was very important to you. Anybody else have that happen, or am I just that weird? Anybody else have that? As uh, the team was singing tonight, uh, it took me back to some of my days at Olivet, uh, particularly the end of my freshman year, where God had called me to ministry. And uh, I was trying to be obedient to that, but at the same time, I was flexing my muscle against God. I grew up in a pastor's home, an evangelist's home, and traveled 45 weeks a year with mom and dad. And every night of my life, uh, for a number of years, I was in a different revival service. And so I was not just churched, I was over-churched. I had uh, more sermons memorized uh, by the time I was 15 years old than most people had heard. But there came a time when I was able to make some choices and decisions for myself. I thought, I'm a religion major. I'm forced to go to chapel. Therefore, I do not need to go to church. Anybody ever had that mindset before? Maybe not. You just look at your pastor and go, what a weird guy. I remember there uh, in that dorm room at Olivet when I felt the Lord not calling me to legalism of attending something, but wooing me back to a vibrant relationship with him. I went to uh, Kresge Auditorium, and uh, some of the songs that we sang tonight were being sung that Sunday morning, and one of the band members had their daughter up front, and she must have been four or five years old, and she saw her dad playing the bass guitar, and so she was just dancing as they sang that song, The Cry of My Heart. The Lord grabbed me and said, Brady, that is what I'm calling you to do before me. In a quick moment of fear, I thought, God, I'm a Nazarene kid. I don't know how to dance. I don't know how to do anything. I don't think you're calling me to do that. And he said, no, you're not hearing me. I'm calling you to worship me with reckless abandon, to come into a safe place and to lift up my name and give me the cry of your heart. I want to challenge you, church, here on a Sunday night. You are our core. Uh, This is the cream of the crop. As we are worshiping God together, put yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can breathe on you and speak to you. There may be a lyric, there may be a song that God breathes on that takes you back to another time in your life. There may be a song that we sing that you can't stand, but God's going to teach you and me how to give a sacrifice of praise. Amen? That's biblical. It's not always to our liking. But I want to thank the team and just be transparent and share what God's been speaking to me and reminding me of. God wants us as his kids to be reckless abandon and pour out our heart before him. Uh, Just by show of hands, and don't lift your hand because I'm telling you to unless this is true for you. uh, But I have a guess here tonight. I want to see if my guess is accurate. Uh, How many of you would say, you know what, Pastor, I would testify, I would profess that I have surrendered my life totally to God, and I've asked the Holy Spirit to fill my life. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand real high, keep it up high, that you've surrendered your life to God and you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Amen. That's what I would have guessed. If you're here tonight and that's not your testimony, you're in good company. Every person who raised their hand had a moment where they weren't uh, at the place of crossing that line yet of surrender. I want to 
speak tonight on the topic being filled with the Holy Spirit. But in a room like this, most of us would say, well, I've already asked the Holy Spirit to fill me. I've already surrendered my life. I've already given him, as some have heard preached uh, decades ago, the unknown bundle. Anybody remember the unknown bundle? The things that I don't know what's going to come. I'm going to give that to God. And God, I I give you not only my yes now, but I give you my yes in the future. And and everything that's yet to come, I I give that to you. The challenge tonight, I believe, that God wants us to look at in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 is what should it look like for us who are filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not just how to be filled with the Spirit. It's not just how to surrender our life. But but what is not only the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit, but really what should that look like? We know that the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit is not any particular gift. The evidence of the fullness of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, of of God working in you. But that should look like something. We have a great pattern of what, It should look like here in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. We'll be there in a minute. There's a simple pattern in the Christian life when we are more aware of our need for God than other times. It's times when we pray and we ask God for help because something is is really gripping us. The more we pray and ask God to work, the more that God seems to answer and the more of His power that seems to be unleashed to us. People who ask God for his help tend to get more help than people who don't ask. Well, Pastor, where do we get that? Is is that just a a thought that you have? Well, well, just listen to Luke 11.10. You may jot this down. I think it's in your notes there. Luke 11.10, listen. For everyone who asks receives, and and to the one who seeks, they will find. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened to them. James 4.2, you do not have because you do not ask. I wonder how many times we miss blessings because we're not going to our Father, crying out to Him, saying, Father, I need you in this moment. How many times that we could experience His close presence if we would just cry out to Him, if we would just ask. James 4.8 tells us, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. See, God's nearness, God's power, God's provision God's mighty work comes to those who go looking for them, who go asking for them. So why is it that we don't ask for more of God? Why is it that we don't ask? There's probably a bunch of reasons, but maybe these two would resonate with you as they did with me earlier this week. One reason is that we could possibly be so wrapped up in our pride that we think we can just handle it on our own. It's amazing to me that especially as, as good Nazarenes, as Wesleyans, as a spirit-filled holiness people, we understand that we can't get to God in our own strength and we need God's grace. We're big on talking about that. And we talk about we need to surrender our life and have the power of the Holy Spirit come on our life, but it seems like sometimes our, our words and our actions go contradictory to each other when it comes to allowing the work of God to fill us with the Spirit. We begin to think that there is a list of things that I'm going to do and I'm not going to say in places that that I'm really going to work to go or not to go and I'm going to mastermind this and I'm going to be a Spirit-filled, holy Christian. And God is saying, why are you trying to do that in your own strength? 
Well, why do you feel like you can handle it yourself? Don't you need me for this spirit-filled life? Why don't we ask for more? Is it that we feel like we're self-sufficient? That we got past the hump or the hurdle of hell and we've got this get-out-of-hell-free card and we've got a second blessing and so now we're just going to keep hanging on until the world ends or we go to be with Jesus, one of the two. Another reason is that maybe we have very low expectations of God. I've been in that place. When I didn't expect too much of God, because I was worshiping a God that I had created that was small enough that I could contain. Is it possible that we don't expect God to work powerfully around us, and so we don't ask Him to do anything? And when he doesn't act powerfully, instead of us being desperate for him, we just kind of become complacent and we're content with serving and praying to a smaller portion of the one true God that we feel comfortable with. I want us to look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. Will you look there with me as I read? Acts chapter 3, reading verse 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Look at verse four of chapter three of the book of Acts. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be, used to sit begging at the temple courts, temple gates called beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. The first thought I want us to catch tonight from this passage of scripture is that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, Something should change in us. We should have eyes like Jesus. We should see like Jesus. Peter and John are definitely seeing things that maybe we wouldn't see without the Spirit's power. Now flip a page and look over to chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verse 7 through 13. Verse 7 through 13. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a crippled man, and are asked how he was healed, verse 10, then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. I love that. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Is there anybody in your life that is taking note that you have been with Jesus? Or do they just take note about what you do or what you say for yourself? As we are filled with the Spirit, we should see things differently. We should see opportunities that God wants to bring glory to Himself. And are we willing to allow Him to infuse us with His boldness, with His power, with His courage, that people won't be amazed by us? They'll see how ordinary and unschooled possibly we, possibly we are and how great we can say words sometimes that get clogged in our mouth. But say, God, you can use me and I want to bring glory to your name. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit's power, we will see opportunities like never before. Peter and John, these different men than those around them, they've witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they witness the, the promise of the Holy Spirit being given to them. They now have the power of the Spirit in their life from the day of Pentecost. The first aspect of the Spirit birth transformation is how they see the world around them. Verse 4 says that Peter directed his gaze, or, or the NIV says he looked straight at him. He looked right at him. He directed his eyes and looked right at him. And as he looked at this lame man, this crippled man, he sees an opportunity for God's glory to be shown all around him. Friend, you and I need to be like Peter. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us so we can really see those around us. The hurting people who are everywhere that we go. One of the marks of the Spirit-filled life is a Christian that sees the lost and their heart breaks for the lost. I think a number of months ago, we, uh, maybe even a year ago now, we've talked about Jonah and how God needed to break his heart for the lost people of Nineveh. Could it be that God wants to do something in you tonight in Acts 4.31 that we're going to get to, a renewal of the Holy Spirit where we have eyes to see people differently and we need him to, to pour his presence out on us and cause us to be different in the way we see people something else changes let's look at acts chapter 3 verse 11 through 20 when the beggar held on to peter and john all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called solomon's colonnade when peter saw this he said to them men of israel why does this surprise you why do you stare at us as if it is by our power or our godliness we, that we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. In Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has given this 
complete healing to him, as you all can see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what is what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. This is Peter, who 60 days before was denying Jesus, and now by the power of the Holy Spirit, he has a boldness like none other. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are to be bold like Jesus. Where's your boldness today? How is your boldness? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to do things that we cannot do by ourselves. We're energized and enabled to do all the things God calls us to do in His strength. To turn from sin, yes. To love others, yes. And to boldly bear witness to Christ, to those around us. That's where we see the transformed Apostle Peter. But boldness sometimes is misunderstood, I think, in our culture. Boldness is not being overbearing. Sometimes we just excuse our overbearing attitude for boldness. It's not necessarily overbearing. Boldness is not self-righteous. Boldness does not need to be loud or obnoxious. It's not just needed to speak. Boldness is given from the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Him. Boldness in the Christian witness is born out of a quiet heart of faith that believes that the power of the gospel should not be hindered by our weakness. Boldness is born out of the quiet heart of faith that believes that the power of the gospel should not be hindered by mine and your weakness. Friend, the power of the Holy Spirit wants to be rushing through us. This isn't a question tonight for most of us. If we'd allow the Holy Spirit to have control over our life, the question is, Holy Spirit, is there anybody in our circle of influence who is impacted because of what you're doing in me? Can I see what you see, Jesus? And can I have the boldness that you want me to have? It may look different than the person around you. It will come, no doubt, through your own voice. God rarely gives you a different voice. He rarely gives you a different personality. Because see, he said, the way I made you is exactly how I want you, and you aren't the key to what's going to happen. I am. So all the places of your weakness is exciting for me, because that's where I get to show my strength. Is there boldness growing in your heart? Boldness asks for God to show us doors that are slightly ajar so that we can push on them and allow the Holy Spirit to open them up for us. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus well beyond any gift, talent, ability that we have. It's through the supernatural power of the Spirit. But I'm afraid that if we don't have eyes to see what Jesus sees, if we don't have boldness that Jesus has, we'll have very little interest in proclaiming the gospel the way we find in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. Our boldness 
is boldness to speak a particular message. Now hear me, listen closely. I don't believe the Holy Spirit gives us boldness just to speak our opinion or to drive home a point that's a pet peeve of ours. We have the fullness of the Spirit and the boldness of Christ to give the gospel message, the good news. And the good news should not be about me or you. It should be about Jesus Christ. It should not be about how you want your neighbor to act one way or another. It should be about who Jesus is. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. To give hope for those who are hopeless. And when we are bold, we stand in the gap and we talk in places where it's not popular, not to prove our point, not to get our way, not to throw our weight around, not to try to make things better for our own camp, but to advance the gospel of Jesus. Amen? And this is what I believe that the New Testament writers would talk about when they would say, we have a gospel partnership. We can have a friendship. But when we have a gospel partnership, we link arms to advance The good news of Jesus. Well, why should I be so concerned about that? Because the Holy Spirit fills us with eyes and a boldness to carry out His work. Jesus is talked so much about in Peter's sermon here. And is talking. He says that Jesus is the holy and righteous one. The author of life. God in the flesh. Jesus was the one who was rejected, who was crucified, who died for our sins. Yet God raised him from the dead. There's no mixing any kind of words about what the focus is. It's always about Jesus. If we turn from our sin and believe on Jesus, we'll be saved from our sins. Faith in Christ is the only way out. We know this, we've lived this, we've experienced it, but how often does it burn in our gut to share with the person who changed our tires last week? How often does it burn in our gut to really share in a way that's transparent, that doesn't always make ourselves the hero with that family member who we feel like is just so far gone? Do we say, God, I don't want to give up because you don't give up. I'm going to hold out hope and I'm going to have boldness to proclaim your goodness in their life. Boldness to befriend someone. A commitment to serve somebody. Sacrificial care for others has has to be accompanied by the message of the gospel of Jesus. Finally, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit... We ask Jesus to do even more. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They've been persecuted for their faith. They've been paying the price for standing for Jesus. Listen to verse 29. As they gathered to pray, Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Isn't that a picture of us? I don't know, a lot of the prayer meetings I go to when we've been through some persecution or some kind of problem or someone's coming against us, it's, oh God, make them stop. Oh God, get me out of the jam. Oh God, don't let this happen any longer. But they pray, Now, Lord, 
Consider their threats and enable your servants to do the same thing that got us thrown in prison last night. To speak your word with great boldness. Why? Because they were a glutton for punishment? No. Because something had transformed them. And the Peter, the Apostle Peter, who denied Jesus 60 days before, is now standing firm and saying, I have seen Jesus. He has changed my life. The power of the Spirit has transformed me. And I cannot help but speak about the things that I've seen and heard. What is it that you can't help but talk about? Is it the Bed Bath & Beyond 20% coupon that you got to use twice? I can't help but talk about it. That happened. I even asked permission and they let me use it twice. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that what captivates my conversation? Is that what captivates my opportunity to pour into someone else? But, but is there anything that's happening fresh from the Lord that I can't help but speak about? Friend, if you're in a place right now and you say, you know what, I, I, I have felt God speak to me that way in the past, but I don't feel it now. Don't feel shame or guilt. That's the enemy getting on your shoulder. God is just saying, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. And maybe he wants to change our idea of an encounter with him. Sometimes I just want a spiritual goosebump so bad. I just want to be so excited. And God brings me to a still, quiet moment with him. Others, I want God to bring relief in, in this moment. But God says, I'm going to give you grace at this time and strength to get through. But are you going to him? If you cry out to Him, He will answer. The more we cry to Him, the more He answers. The more we ask for Him to do, the more He does. We do not have because we do not ask. Now, I have to confess, if I was writing the Bible, I would never say that. I don't know if any of you uh, remember times when you have an elementary child in your house. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of asking. And they learn the art of persistence. If there wasn't a clear, direct no, then that means there's many other ways I can ask this question and maybe get the yes that I want. I don't know if if I was God that I would have said, you have not because you ask not, because I could just imagine everybody be asking and asking. But thank goodness that I'm not God. Thank goodness that I didn't write the Bible. God is so much bigger than what it is we're asking for. It's not about Him being out of energy. It's not about him having no answer to give us. It's about God who says, my child, I have designed you to walk step by step with me. I am your life source. I am the vine. You are the branch. Abide, rest, lay upon me and I will give you life. This is what the heart of the spirit filled life is all about. We want to ask God to do even more. Verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, look at verse 31. I've shared part of this before, but it it bears repeating. After they prayed, where the the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with. With the Holy Spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. Now if you write in your Bible. I want to encourage you to circle the word all filled. Put your finger right there at Acts 4.31. Now flip back 
to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We see here at Pentecost, Acts 2, 4. What does it say? How many of them were filled with the Holy Spirit? All were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've never professed to be a great mathematician. But when I look at this, all seems like all of them. All is kind of all-encompassing. Did they just gain a bunch of new people? If so, wouldn't it be the new recruits? The additions? What's happening? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.4, all filled. Acts 4.31, all filled. Did they lose their sanctification? Did they lose the fullness of the Spirit? Or is this a cry out to the Father for a renewal of the Holy Spirit? I would argue the latter. That we have a pattern before us. That when we have the Holy Spirit churning inside of us, there's something that says, God, I want more of you. My appetite for this world is spoiled. There's nothing left that I want to have in this world. One of the things that God has been teaching Carrie and I over these last 40 days is never in my life, ever in my life, had I ever known the difference between head and stomach hunger. Now, I had quoted many times that I was starving, but that was never the case. But something happened in the first few days of a fast. I didn't have hunger anymore. This is not a super spiritual thing don't let yourself be tricked into that that's a natural phenomenon that happens with our bodies when you stop eating your system begins to go to sleep and and it stops telling your brain that you want food because it's figured out you're not getting any but it was a strange thing to walk through kroger and costco and every other grocery store i could find in this town and not be hungry my appetite For food, for that period of time, was gone. Now, I confess, applesauce sounds really good in the morning, and I predict that that will happen. But there was no appetite. But the appetite for the things of God in this time, not because of me, but because of Him, had increased. And something happened uh, last Sunday, I think. It was last Sunday. Days are all getting mixed together. I don't know if I shared with you or not. That I didn't count on. As we were being taken by communion together, and we were receiving communion. Uh, In second service, if you happen to be in that service, it it just kind of jolted me, and I messed up everything that I was planning on saying, because as I put the wafer in my mouth, it was really good for the second time. That's not a spiritual thing to think of. I don't think we're supposed to take communion and go, whoo, I want seconds, that's great. And when I drank the juice, my taste buds said, yes, calories, this is great. But all day, the next day on that Monday, the Lord began to bat that thought around in my mind. Not because of me, but because of Him. For the first time, the only thing I was feasting on was His sacrifice for me. And the only thing that was sustaining me was His body and His blood. Now, I'm not suggesting that that should be something that you try. That's between you and God. But I'm asking you, what is it that you hunger and thirst for? 
When there is a renewal of the Holy Spirit happening in your life, you say, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. Now, now notice, what was the purpose of wanting more? As soon as Peter and John were released, they go and report all that had happened to the other believers. And when they did this, an impromptu prayer meeting breaks out. Do we have any impromptu prayer meetings? God, help us. What would happen if we would just have impromptu prayer meetings? Because someone is in need, the first thing we do is let's stop and pray. Because someone is celebrating, the first thing we do is we stop and pray in thanksgiving. An impromptu prayer meeting breaks out. They don't pray to be delivered from their circumstances. They don't ask God to wipe out their enemies. They just ask Him to take note. Consider their threats. But give us boldness to proclaim you even more. You see, they are not content with the status quo. They're not content with just going on. Now, this isn't a a, a greediness. There's a spiritual contentness we need to have. But they didn't want to just live on yesterday's provision. They wanted today's provision, an ongoing outpouring. And so they asked for God to bring glory to His name. This is very different than saying, God... Give me more anointing. It's about time people recognize how spiritual I was. That's not it at all. God, give me more wisdom. I need to show people what I know. That's not what it's about. When Peter and John were in the midst of being used in one of the most powerful times by the Holy Spirit, you know what people saw in them? These guys are ordinary unschooled hicks they're just cognacs what what is going on what what's happening what why is this happening they saw something bigger than them in their life and when we are crying out for more of god in a holy way we're not content in a holy way it's not to get it's not to give more to us but it's to give glory to the father i believe that god wants to stir in our hearts Again, what it is he's done in many of us a long time ago. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Tonight, without any music or any piano or any singing. Right there in your seat. If God is putting his finger on something in your heart. And you want to cry out to God. And ask Him for a renewal of the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see like Jesus, boldness like Jesus, the ability to proclaim the gospel like Jesus, and a discontentness with the things of this world to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, you just raise your hand real high. Everybody's heads are bowed. You just raise your hand. I, just me and God looking on. Keep them up. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Let's pray together with expectation that God will answer as He is faithful to His Word again to us tonight. Father, I thank You for my friends who an overwhelming majority here tonight profess not only of the salvation that You bring Jesus, but of Your sanctifying power in our life. But God... 
I come to you on behalf of my brothers and sisters who are crying out, and my hand is up with them. We are hungry for more of your Spirit. God, give us eyes that see opportunity around us, that we can look straight at them. Direct our gaze at those around us and say, silver or gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give to you. God, help us. Some of us are so empty spiritually, we've got nothing to give. Would you fill us so we can give out of the overflow of what you're doing? God, if you gave us the cry of our heart tonight, would it even impact anybody? Or would it just fill up our wants? I thank you for taking my mind back to that first part of my freshman year at Olivet, Father. Where you called me to worship you with reckless abandon in a love affair with you. Would you rekindle that passion in all of our hearts tonight? I ask for an Acts 4.31, a renewal of your Holy Spirit in our life. And Lord, I can't help but think of what you are positioning us to do in your strength in the city of Fort Wayne and the areas surrounding. Father, may people take note, not that we are from Grace Point. May they take note, not that we are successful. May they take note, not that we are Nazarenes, but may they take note that we have been with Jesus. Give us clear mind and sober thinking so that we can pray and cry out to you for the more that you have. I ask these things, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen and amen. May God bless you. Thanks for coming. I want to give a reminder. Next week, next Sunday morning, both services, Orpheus Choir from Olivet will be leading us in worship. You won't want to miss that. It'll be a great time. I'll be starting a new mini-series called Heaven and Hell. What's the big deal? Uh, don't miss out on God bringing encouragement to your soul and clarity from God's Word on how very real hell is and how very real heaven is and why we should care about either one. God will give you an opportunity this week, I believe, to invite a friend with you who this truth may be exactly what they're looking for. I'm praying that God will give you those opportunities as He does our family. May God bless you. You're dismissed.